Hi everyone and welcome to Words with That One Lady. Hi everyone and welcome to today's podcast. And like you know, we're doing the graduate school series. And today I have a very dear friend, like, like when I say dear, very, 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 very dear friend of mine on the podcast with us today. And I'll let him introduce himself, but I'm going to do another introduction if he doesn't do it right. So okay. hi guest, do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> <laughs> sure, I can introduce myself. Uh, so my name is Dr. Lindsay J. Graham. Yes, yes. <laughs> Dr. Graham, yeah. I'm, I'm allowing that to settle in a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so my name is, is Dale. I am an inter... I was about to say international student, but I'm technically finished. So yeah, I currently completed my PhD in counselor education and counseling. Um, then I was born and raised in Belize. Um, and I had moved to Massachusetts for my master's. That's where I met Rose and we became really good friends. Yeah. And then I moved away immediately after that um, to Idaho, where I have been living for the past three years. I remember when he wanted to move to Idaho, he was like, Rose, how am I going to do this? How am I going to survive? How's this going to work? He did it. He got <laughs> damn PhD. Like, literally, he's a doctor. He did an amazing job introducing himself. At first, I thought he was going to do, oh, my name is Lindsay Graham. I'm like, mm, it's doctor. <laughs> So yes, you guys are going to hear me call him Dale all through this, but that's because he's like my person. He's my personal person. But please, when you want to address him, see him anywhere, you want to write about him, he's Dr. Lindsay Graham. Dr. Graham for short. Oh, this is so good to see. (laughs) Guys, I apologize. I'm so excited to be talking to my very good friend because when I think about our journey so far in the world of being in grad school, being in academia, being international students, it's so mind-blowing to see where we have gotten to. So it's amazing to be having this conversation today with him. So today we're going to be talking about what it is to be an international student. And also we'll talk about the PhD process and how it works when it comes to academia. But first of all, like you said, we met in Massachusetts. When you were coming to Massachusetts, what was your thought process going into that, like moving to Bridgewater State and all that stuff? Yeah. My thought process was just, I I was just excited for the experience of like living in the United States, you know, Um, I had visited multiple times before, but the possibility of like, okay, this is going to be two years of my life and I'm going to be living in a different country in a different place. Um, I had never visited Massachusetts as a state. So I was just like, okay, Bridgewater is close to Boston. So I was thinking, what is this experience going to be like? So I was really... It wasn't close. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. In my head, I thought it was. Um, But I think I just had mixed feelings. One of the first feelings was definitely excitement, just for something new, right? A new place, new people. I was excited what the experience would be like. But also, I was also excited to pursue what had become my passion, and that was to help people. And one of the ways that I wanted to help people was to become more knowledgeable and better trained in counseling and what that meant. And so pursuing that degree of mental health counseling was really a passion for me. Um, But I also remember feeling scared. And I was scared mainly because um, obviously racial injustice is something that has been pervasive in the United States from the start of time. But for me as a Black man, thinking about living in the U.S. and what that experience was like was also fear-inducing for me. So I remember feeling very nervous of like, well, how am I going to be perceived? 
Um, what are my interactions going to be like with people? This was a predominantly white institution. What did that yep. mean for me and my identity? Um, being both Black and international with an accent too? I was just like, okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is going to be interesting. Um, and, and also just considering that like, the, I did not have a lot of knowledge about what Bridgewater would have been like and, and what mm -hmm. the community would have been like. And when I saw it, I was just like, whoa this is this is going to be different so yeah a lot of mixed emotions that initially um i think started my experience there yes i agree i totally agree with that i remember when i was so and guys if you, do, if you, if you didn't hear us talk about it already we went to the same university for our master's program Bridgewater state university and uh, going into that program i was a bit i didn't know what to expect unnerving moving all the way from Nigeria to a different country I was like I don't know what to get I don't know what's gonna happen but I'm just gonna go and see how it goes and I got there and I saw a small town predominantly white like you already said and I'm like oh this is going to be an experience but like when I think about it now I realized that the friendships and the people I met helped shape my experience um if, if you listen to other episodes we've talked about or the ones we are, that are coming up, we've talked about how friendships are very important. And as we're talking about this, surviving as an international student is something people don't talk about a lot. Um, people just say, oh, you're going for a greener pasture, you're going to a new place, you're going to get a degree. But nobody talks about the fact that there's so many attributes that comes into being an international student in a new place. So what was one of your big surviving tactics? Mm, I'd say... I'd say first, maybe one of my biggest, if, if I can, one of my biggest challenges was first just kind of dealing with the loss and the homesickness, right? About not being in my home country, right? Mm -hmm. Not hearing my accent, not hearing our language being spoken, not seeing the food widely eaten, but also not seeing people who look like me. Um, so that was one of my biggest challenges moving to Bridgewater. However, I would say one of my biggest survival tactics is what you just said, um, the formation of community. Uh, so in full disclosure, I probably gravitated to Rose just because it was such an, an organic connection. I don't even fully remember how we met Rose, but I just remember thinking, wow, here we are, two international students. She's super cool and super chill. Um, and we just had like random conversation. And I was just like, these are the people that I need around me. Um, one, you were super ambitious and you've always been that way, um, but you are also super kind and approachable. And so what that said for, to me is that like, hey, my friends that I've always had are not here right now. Um, we're not able to be in constant communication, but here I have people who are literally here going through a similar experience as me. And all I wanted to do was to just connect. I just wanted to be able to have, have my person, you know, have someone that I could rely on, have someone rely on me. Um, because I think what that did is, is that it allowed for a buffer of the experience, right? There we were in this little world that is so different from us. But once we were together, it's almost as if though we felt, I felt a sense of comfort of like, of like, wow, this is, this is like I have my family or my friends around where the whole world could be burning down, but because we have each other, we're fine. That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. Like, and, and alluding to what you just said about how we met, I remember vividly it was during our orientations. And guys, if you remember, I talked about this in one of our episodes. I said, the school orientation, sometimes everybody's like, nah, I don't want to go to it. But that's where I met Dale, but Dale doesn't remember. It was the place where we got into, everybody was sitting down, but 
Dell, the way he came in, he came with a group of students. You came with uh, all the Belizeans yeah, and all of uh, you sat on one table together and I was on a different table and I saw you guys having so much fun and you guys were just chill talking to each other. And I was like, I need to know them. I need to get to speak with them. I need to be in their midst. Those are the people I want to chill around. And the thing is, all these orientations are more for undergrad students. That grad students are not really catered to when it comes to all these orientations because they feel like we know everything. We're not more adults than every other person. So that's where I met you. And I don't know if we exchanged numbers there or we exchanged number else. I don't remember where we exchanged numbers, but I know we eventually did. And guys, all through my program, I can remember the random days, they would just come like, hey, what's up? What are you doing? Do you want to take a walk? And I'm like, yes, I need it in my life right now. Or the days when I'm like, I don't want to do it. It's like, Rose, come out now. I'm downstairs. I'm coming to your apartment. It's like, start coming out. We're taking a walk. And to be sincere, when I think about it, for me, my survival, tactic, my survival tactic was having people around and knowing that someone somewhere was going to catch me on my rubbish when I'm trying to like isolate myself from everybody because those days were there when I did not feel like it. And full disclosure, guys, in the last five years, almost six years I left my country, I've not been home. I like I tried to go home last year, pandemic. So many things have just happened. And when I remember that the friends that were there, the people that were around me, people like Dale who were always there like looking out for me making sure that things were going well may accounted to my experience as being an international student and trust me when they say survival sometimes i'm like do we really survive it that's a good question <laughs> do we really survive uh the jury is still out on that because i don't I... <laughs> <laughs> that's so true <laughs> i'm like yeah you know what survival is subjective um mm. yeah we, we we made it through it yeah we did we did but what was the most rewarding part for you um, with getting through the whole process? What was the rewarding? Where was that part where you're like, phew, that was all worth it? Um, are, are, do you, would you want me to speak to my experience uh, mainly for the master's program or the PhD or? Whichever one that you want to go through. General. Honestly, I felt as if though they, they both had a sense of accomplishment for me. However, um, they felt different. Um, and I'll, I'll try to explain what I mean. Um, the first for my master's program, I felt... I went through a lot of different challenges. However, I had a more robust community. Um, mm-hmm. As you said, right, we, we met because there were other Belizean students that were there. So that in itself encapsulated me in the experience that I already felt a sense of safety. Um, I extended that community by meeting you and meeting other students that were not only international, but as you know, I was working at the uh, Multicultural Center. And that became my home where I was just like black and brown students from across America coming together and obviously being led by someone so beautiful as Sydney, um, yeah. just like an amazing human being who, who literally kind of became like my school mom or my school aunt who just like supported me. And the days where I was done, I was just like, she was there to support me through that. Yeah. Um, so I had a way more robust community during my master's. So when I, when I graduated, I was just like, that was tough, but I feel really accomplished. Um, and also felt sad. I felt sad because I was leaving. I was leaving you, Rose. Like we were separating, right? I was I coming on so a much. I was coming on a different part of the country. So we went I went from Massachusetts and moving all the way to Idaho in a very different, isolated era. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, Rose, but you were actually with me when I was leaving Bridgewater. Um you remember, like, I think you were helping me carry my luggage to the train, and then I was yeah. about to leave. And I just remember thinking. This feels so surreal. Like I literally have spent most of my time with this person and I'm no longer going to be around them. And so for me, there was so much sadness of like, 
graduated and happy to leave, right? To, to pursue other things, but I'm not happy to leave my friend here. I know. I'm not happy <laughs> to not have this connection. And, and I think a lot of it too was that the experience for the master's program, um, as you know, we were both affiliated with the international um, office. Yes, and we obviously, we're, we worked there. So we were really just kind of in such a supportive body. So when, yeah. I, when I graduated from the master's, I was just like, this is hard, but this is also awesome. And this is also sad. Now for the PhD, yeah. it was a very different experience. Um, being on the other side now, having finished and have you like call me Dr. Dale. Well, all that does for me is kind of like, it's an affirmation of the fact that I could do really hard things. Yes. Um, this PhD program took everything I had, to be honest, Rose. Like, it was just one of the most challenging and yet rewarding experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, I, I went from doing a master's program and feeling pretty comfortable in my role as a counselor. And then when I started the PhD, it was kind of like, they literally like picked me out of a, out of a counselor role. And they're just like, okay, deal. Educator. You're going to know be, yeah, you're going to be an educator. You're going to be a scholar. You're going to, you're going to research this. You're going to be an advocate. You're going to be everything. All right. And I was just like, huh, I'm going to, what, how, how do I do that? Um, so for me, it was just a lot of time management. Um, I definitely remember many days. I think being a PhD student, what they don't tell you about is, is really how isolating it is. And I think this is grad school in general, but PhD took it on a different level. Yep. I was just like, my, my department is amazing, but they literally consumed every waking hour that I had, all right? I, I was like attending classes, I was teaching classes, I was also um, obviously trying to produce scholarly work and try to do academic writing, trying to get published. Um, I was also working as a licensed professional counselor at the time too, and I was just like, how do you do all this? Plus being like a clinic manager at my university. And I was just like, how do you manage all this? So I think I treat a bit, but to get to what it feels like is really the point of affirmation. It, it reminds yeah. me I could do really hard things. I could commit myself. I could also try to maintain some aspects of who I am as an individual, because um, if I could share it during the midst of my PhD program, I just felt like I lost myself for a bit. I was, I was trying to take on all these different roles, right? I was trying to like figure out like, okay, who am I as a researcher? Who am I as an educator? Who am I as a supervisor? What do these all mean? And eventually I think maybe it came around in my second year after I finished my comprehensive exams, where I was just like, you know what? All of those roles are amazing, but what about the role of Dale? Who is he, okay. right? Who is he in the midst of all of this? Cause I'm like, in the end, these titles won't mean anything if I don't show up as an individual and be authentic to who I am. Yep. And so I think that was a major part of my growing process of like, okay, I recognize that I could play all these roles you want me to play, but in the end, I need to make sure that Dale, the authentic person who I am deep down, is really at the center of all of this. Um, yep. And I think once I reconcile that, it really allowed for me to kind of embrace it a little bit more. That's so true. Oh my God. That's like a whole mouthful there. Like you said a whole lot in one. Yeah. And so I, I agree with you that first of all, when it comes to the PhD aspect of things, which we would extray more in a couple of minutes, mm -hmm. it's, you can lose yourself a lot. Like when I think about it, just in my completing my second year, I know how much of having to sit down with myself and realize that, Hey, you need to chart your part in this thing. Because just in, in, in the school like environment, there's a lot of opportunities, there's a lot of things out there. And you're like, 
you want to hold on to everything so that you don't yeah. lose anything but you're like wait who are you in all of this like if not you're going to lose yourself and like you said it's a whole different process from the master's program because you are in a cohort with students but all of you are all on different you're all on different parts some of you are teaching, some of you are not teaching, some of you are supervising, some of you are not supervising. Some people are faster in their program, some of you are slower. So it's like, even in your cohort, you're all competing with each other, which is separate from the master's program, which is you all together, you all working one part, you all getting yeah. one degree, doing something similar, nothing so different. You can rely on each other for something. And it's a whole lot. When I think about it, I'm like, how do we even go through all of this? Like when I see you, when I see other people and see how they're, they're, they're doing great in what they do, I tell myself, you've got this. It's, it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to track back a little bit to the yeah. part where you talked about working with the um, multicultural center. And I'm going to just chip in the part of surviving as international students, getting a job and all of that. Because I remember during our master's program, there was a part where we were struggling to hold on to jobs, to be able to be sane and, you know, cope with finances and cope with all of these things. And it's a big part that nobody talks about for grad school. And I don't know if you want to share a little bit how that went for you. How did you cope and survive with, you know, in a master's program, I mean, how did you cope with, you know, working, schooling, you know, maintaining sanity as a person and as it, all of it being an international student? Yeah, yeah, I and, and you're so right, Rose. I feel as if though that that conversation doesn't get had enough um, in terms nope. of the, the, the amount of juggling and management that we had to do during our master's program. So for me, um, I think for many international students, uh, many times whenever we do go and pursue a master's degree, um, we would have probably worked professionally before, right? So you finished yeah. your bachelor's, possibly you were working. So you had a life established and that was the same for me where when I went to be a full-time student, that's because that's after a couple of years of working full-time, right? Being a full adult, right? Where I was making a salary, I was living on my own, doing all that. And then when I moved to do my master's, it was almost like I felt like I regressed because now I'm completely dedicated to school. I don't have the access to finances that I did before. And so my whole lifestyle had to change. I didn't have liquid cash to just like enjoy myself, right? And so a lot of it came down to kind of, I think, one, being a little bit more authentic and vulnerable about my experience. And so I started to share more. And I think that really helped. So my advisor in my master's program, I started to let her know, like, hey, you see me come to class, but you don't know that I'm struggling financially. I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to be making some of these different payments that I have to make. Um, I've already made so many sacrifices and adjustments, but basic needs. I'm just like thinking about food, thinking about just like transportation basic stuff I couldn't have the money for. And so um, when I mentioned some of my experiences to my advisor, she's actually the one who's just like, hey, Bill, let's look into um, getting a assistantship for you, right? And so for me as an international student, I didn't know about all of these before I even went. This was something that I found out along the way, but I, I, I said that to say, I wanna highlight that sometimes letting people in is, is the ways that you could get the support that you need. Yep. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's very easy to just, Stay in your isolated experience. Oh my gosh, like I don't have any money. I'm struggling. And I don't know if it's a Caribbean thing, but there's a pride behind it too. Like I don't want to tell someone I'm broke, but eventually I had to tell them that I'm broke because here I have teachers in the classroom who want to see me excel academically. 
However, I can't excel academically when some of my basic needs are not being met. And so I eventually got the um, assistantship. Um, The first one I was working at my department. And then after that, once I understood how the system worked, I was like, oh, I could apply for another one. And that's when I applied and became um, the grad assistant for the Center for Multicultural Affairs, um, which was an awesome experience because one, it provided some, some financial support that I needed. But I also got like that social emotional support too, because I was in a community that, that really like pulled me in and cared for me um, and nurtured me. Yeah, that's that's very correct. I I agree with you when you say that um, sharing it's, it's almost very important because if you put yourself in your own bubble, you just realize when you come out of the bubble later, you'd be like, oh my God, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Why did I shut myself in this place all through? My experience with the financial part was different from yours because I was so concerned about the financial part before I even left my home country. My parents were worried. Everybody was like, how, how, how? So I kept researching and asking questions. So I got my job before I moved. And I remember that you knew about this. And um, that was, that's the only place I worked all through my stay in Bridgewater State. I worked in the same place all through a graduate assistantship. And I was there all through the process. And when I think about it, that even though um, it was a predominantly white environment that I worked in, it exposed me to different people, different groups of people. Even from there, I also was the community chair for the African Students Association at some point. So that like put me in a different light altogether. There were so many school events that we got the opportunity to attend like because of like being in the midst of all these people. And these events kind of help you through your days. Um, like we're talking about the financial part of it. There is no perfect way to know about it. But when you express yourself, ask questions, you know, share your concerns with people, opportunities will come out. You find out about all these things. There's no hard and fast rule. There's no manual for grad school. But find your community, talk to people, be very vocal. If there's anything I learned about grad school was being vocal. Oh, my God. Yeah. But there are days when I just wanted to keep it to myself and deal with, like, heroes. Um, <laughs> when I'm hanging out, heroes, when I was going, I was going to this event. Hey Rose, yes. what are you doing? And that worked. <laughs> like it went a long way. I don't know what I'd have done without you. Sometimes I think about it I'm like hmm. I remember grad. I don't know. Remember graduation? Um, I didn't feel like it. I was on a male level. I was like, no, I yeah. don't want to do this. And he dragged me to take pictures. He dragged oh, yeah. me to a pre-photo <laughs> those things. Like, yeah. because I didn't know where I was going to next. Like you had a, 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 a an admission to the PhD program. I had lost like eight rejections to PhD programs it was just tough and I realized that sometimes like you get knocked down to you know get up to a bit because when I think about where I am now I'm like "Mm, it was worth it eventually (laughs) (laughs) it was because I I was sad a lot of my friends were moving to PhD programs afterwards and I was just like wow what did I do wrong but they'll tell tell me uh, when when you look back now if you were going to tell yourself you in 2018, which was when you started your program, right? Yeah. Sorry. No, 2016. Well, that's when I started the PhD, but 2016 for the master's. 2016, yes. Okay. If you if you were to tell yourself in 2016 something to help you get through it, what would it be? I would tell myself, be more open from the start. Be more open to people. Be more open to experiences. Be more open to all the possibilities that are there. Um, and I say that because... I think you, you put it right when you started this podcast where you're just like, yeah, sometimes as graduate students, especially being international, um, in some ways, like we've been through some of the experiences, right, of college. So we, we kind of feel like we know what to expect. 
um, the universities often treat us too like, yes, these are adults. And so therefore they don't always offer the same type of support. Um, right. But even for ourselves, sometimes it's, it's a bit hard to jump back into the college setting and think about like, oh, I'm going to make friends. I'm going to like live this life because like I've done that before. Right. And so for me, I think I, I took a moment to kind of like get my bearings, like who am I and what am I going to do with this experience? And I recognize that I wish that my previous self would have just like from the moment I got there kind of jump in and just experience it all over again in some ways because I remember even thinking about some of the events roles that that our university was having I was just like do I really want to do this like do I want to go there do I want to like I'm just like I have done the tailgating I've done all the fun things right um but then I was just like man when we actually like started hanging out we go, we went to a lot of the events and I was just like we had so much fun and oh I think I, I hate that like I was restricting myself from that a little bit at the start so I would just say to my previous self jump in, enjoy the experience, be open to people, be open to the connections and the friendships that you're going to make, no matter the, the developmental differences that are there, or even the, the nationalities that you might meet. It's just like, be open to the experience and let it transform you, if, it, if you will. Exactly. Um, that's very, 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 very profound. I remember one day we went to one of the bars close to school and we had a very funny experience where we sat down in the bar now, guys, remember, it's a predominantly white environment. We sat down at the bar. And whenever we went to this place, people would always want to talk to us. Like, because we're only, always seems like boy, girl, black, only people in this environment. And I wanted to ask you, did that ever shape your mentality about where you were at the time? Those experiences of people shining light on you as being like the only black person in an environment, did that ever make you feel some type of way about your experience as being an international student in Massachusetts or Bridgewater specifically? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get used to, to, to that attention, right? Um, because you said it right. We, we've been in multiple different spaces, me and you particularly, where without us intending to, we will stand out because we're kind of, we are the only black people in the sea of white people, right? Every time. Um, right. And so, and, and I think a, a lot of that kind of allowed people to maybe be drawn to us in some ways out of their curiosities um, mm -hmm. or out of their beliefs, but it definitely shaped my whole experience. I mean, even in my graduate program. So I did, obviously, you know, I did a master's in mental health counseling. The counseling profession in itself is predominantly white. And so mm -hmm. I was the only black person within my program for two years. So every single class, I'm the only black person in there. And what that meant for me is that sometimes I felt, I felt a responsibility that I had to then become the representative of the Black community, right? Because every question is being directed at me. And even if they're not asking the question to me, they're you looking have at to. me. Yeah. And so um, I think that experience kind of shaped my racial ethnic identity development, to be honest with you, because being an international person, I've always known I was Black. Yes. But my race was never the main part of my identity because I was part of the dominant group. Yeah. So then moving to the U.S., I had to contend with my Blackness. What does it mean to be Black in America? Yep. What does it mean to be assumed to be an African-American? Because um, unless you listen to me and hear my accent completely, people just assume, oh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's from here, right? Um, but it was also for me of like, it raised a sense of pride, to be honest, a sense of pride in one, my, my roots and my origin. Um, 
I'm like, I am from a Caribbean Central American country. There are nuances there that many people will not understand, but I am that embodied. But then when I am in America, um, being in these white spaces, being in these classrooms that are only white, being in these spaces that discuss race and ethnicity in ways that are not always the most productive of conversations. For sure. I, I definitely felt that that really impacted my whole experience because I, I not only was a grad student trying to be a counselor, I was a black man trying to be a counselor, trying to be a grad student, trying to navigate this space. And so I think, mm. it, 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 I think just those identities in itself really added to a lot of the nuances of my whole experience. Um, yeah, that I think added to it. And we could go on and on about this yeah. conversation, Dale. You know that for sure. Yeah. We go hours <laughs> talking this. Like I remember our walks of hours and hours of conversation, arguing it out and talking. Because I myself had a lot of struggle with identities and being black in a white space and identifying as black in the sense because I'm African from a whole Nigeria that I knew nothing about all of this race <laughs> thing. And I come to a new world of I have to. I'm like, oh my god. And struggling with the fact that I'm an international student trying to make, just get that degree. It was a lot to kind of um, 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 embody, to be sincere. And yeah. I appreciate Dale every time for helping me through that space because it was a struggle. There were so many things I would say, Dale would be like, Ruth, relax. This is what you need to understand about this. I would <laughs> never forget all our times of just sitting down on campus and just talking those conversations. But I would like to ask, do you have any regrets with your master's program specifically do you have any regrets go after going through it like when you look back do you say hmm, i wish i did do that i wish i did this um hmm, that's a good question any regrets it, it that's a bit hard just because i'm thinking well like hey hindsight is 2020 right um so, I know. <laughs> and and i'm I, and i find it a bit difficult for me to kind of frame or contextualize that experience with who I am now and who I have grown into. Um, yeah. But if I would think a little bit more deeper about it, I would say, hey, um, maybe not a regret, but I would say maybe a consideration is that I would have wanted to be even more mindful of my input and the way how conversations were being had and shaped relating to, to race and culture, mm. right? Because I, I feel as if though I, in my master's program, being the only black person, I tried on so many different hats. I was just like, okay, am I going to be the, the number one black advocate? Am I just going to like, just ignore the conversations because I don't have the time. And now kind of like having more of a cultural racial awareness. I was just like, I wish I was able to contribute the way I'm, I probably would contribute to that conversation no. now. Yeah. That's very interesting um, to know. But for me, I don't, when I think about and say regrets, I think my only thing is I held back a lot. I was very, very one-sided with my mindset i just wanted to get the degree and get into a phd program that was my headspace i did not really branch out the only time i either went out or hung out with people was when dale was like this is happening you gotta go i'm like okay or my roommate says this is happening you have to be there. i'm like okay but i never myself personally put myself out there especially my master's program mm. never did my, my friend group was so tiny. It was very small. It was either I knew someone because Dale introduced me to the person or Dale dragged me to the, or I went to see Dale in the multicultural center and I saw someone and I met them. I didn't really branch out. I didn't really meet people. So I, I wish I could go back and then be very more open to like experiencing grad school and not, you know, 
just get that degree and get out. But yeah. I almost you know, marred my graduation too with my sadness of, oh, I don't know what I want to do next. And Dale kept doing, it's your graduation. You got to celebrate. They're like, what's wrong with you? You've got the degree. That's the point. But yeah. Yeah, I wish I can go back and just you know, do better at that. guys thank you so much for listening to this episode i hope you enjoyed it if you enjoyed it so much don't forget to share let your friends know let your sister brothers uncle mothers fathers know about it it can help anybody this can help anybody at all so go ahead and share it if you also have a question comments things you like me to do more or anything you like to me to hear go ahead and leave me an email check the description and you will find my email there and i would love to hear back from you guys thank you so much once again and until next time Keep leaving, keep loving, and ensure that you're leaving, leaving, leaving your truth. And until the next podcast, have a wonderful day. Bye, guys.